0: We're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and every other gender out there. I want to be all-inclusive, so, you know. Um, This is Roger B., and you're listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Today we're going to talk about guns and firearms, and we might even cover a couple other weapons as well. But first, I'm going to start off with a story I covered a couple of weeks ago about um, a musket. This was the musket that was held by Private John Simpson on June 17, 1775, when he ignored the order to wait till you see the, eye, the whites of their eyes to fire, and he fired early. This was the shot heard round the world. His 79 caliber gun belched fire, spit lead, and started a revolution. Now, this gun had been in the family for over 250 years, and a few weeks ago, it went up for sale at an auction company. And I had talked about this, it is an amazing piece of American history. Actually, I would call it world history, because I personally believe that no nation prior to the United States being founded has been as opportunistic for anybody, regardless of your Background, your race, your creed, your religious desires. Nowhere, nowhere in the world can you have as much opportunity as you have here. But enough of that. This gun symbolized one of the most important battles that led to our freedom. Now, this gun went up for auction, like I said, after being in a family in family possession for over 250 years, they were estimating a pre auction listing of the gun. They were expecting to get between a hundred and $300,000, quite a bit for a gun that started a country. And the bidding was high on a very historically significant firearm. Now, also along with the gun, you got tons of paperwork showing John Simpson's progression through, you know, various ranks and his uh, history there. And they showed possession of it throughout its lifetime. So you have full providence to show its uh, origin. It was a Dutch type three-model musket, probably made between 1750 and 1770. Several thousand of these were shipped to Massachusetts with the help of Ben Franklin, who was the colony's agent in London at the time. And uh, John Simpson was from Deerfield, New Hampshire, and he was 26 years old at the time. Now, this gun did sell and it blew away the auction estimates of 100 to 300 thousand, and ended up selling to an anonymous bidder for 492 thousand dollars. So apparently, almost half a million dollars is what someone's willing to pay for a 200 plus year old gun that was started a revolution that founded a country. Now they don't know, of course. You know, since it was anonymous, we don't know if it's going to be in a museum somewhere, if it'll be available to see at some point in time, or it'll just go into a private collection to not be seen again. I don't know. But it's going to be, there are rumors that the musket will be on display at the National Museum of Military Vehicles in Dubois, Dubois Wyoming, the beginning of May 2020. So we'll see. It'd be really neat. That would be a gun that would be really interesting to, to get a look at, and it'd be a shame if it went into a private collection never to be seen again. But there you go. So if you happen to have the musket that started the the revolution that founded the greatest country in the world, it's worth about a half a million dollars now on to some modern record setting you know that i don't know if that was a record or not but it was pretty high for a weapon there were a couple of guys who decided you know what how far can you shoot a target uh, a shotgun clay how far can you be away and still hit one or break it the previous record on this was 130 yards now for those of you who shoot skied or shoot trap you know 130 yards is an amazing distance to even hit one of these things that much less be able to break it because shotgun pellets tend to lose steam rather quickly unless they get rather large. And the larger they get, the harder it is to gain a spread to actually hit something as small as a clay. So these guys were out to set the record. And they could have used all kinds of custom-made equipment and uh, special ammunition, but they used all factory obtainable items. They had a Winchester SX-3 Longbeard with a Vortex Strike Fire 2 Red Dot, because at those distances, the Red Dot's going to make a huge difference. And they had Winchester XR Shells with a number 5 shot, which is pretty big. I mean, you're not going to be shooting birds with that, more than likely, because it's tough to make a, a hit with that kind of distance. So they started off at 130 yards just to see if they could match. Sure enough, first shot out one brother hits the target clay and then they do a couple more just to make sure and they hit several in a row. So, he's like, "Okay, this is doable. So, 130 was doable." Then they kept extending it out, 140, 150 until they got to 160 yards and were making hits. So, and now he it was funny because they were talking about the energy and they said a lot of the times they could almost see the clay fly through the cloud of pellets, but it wasn't breaking. It wasn't hitting it hard enough at that distance to break the clay. And any of you who have shot or played with... Uh, target clays, you know they're relatively fragile. They're not terribly strong. The idea is so they break easily. but finally, they got several of them to break at the one hundred and sixty yard mark. So now there's a new record for the distance on clay target shooting. Now, of course, you would never want to shoot any kind of game at this distance because as I said, it was the pellets didn't even barely have enough energy to break a clay, so you don't want to subject an animal to energy like that that won't be providing a humane kill for something like that. But just to know, you could hit something at 160 yards if you had to. And like I say, it's all factory obtainable stuff, so there was nothing customer weird used. But as you... Okay, here we go. Into the meat of it, because now we're going to talk about AR-15s, because who doesn't like AR-15s? Or AK-47s. I like them both. But this one happens to be an AR-15 that was used in self-defense to fend off attackers... Oh, my God. Imagine that. They have a defensive purpose. Now, I wonder if they're going to count this as kills by a, quote-unquote, assault rifle. No, AR does not stand for assault rifle. It stands for Armalite, the company that first developed the rifle. Uh, Mr. Stoner. Anyway, a Florida woman who was eight months pregnant came out wielding her AR-15 rifle, reportedly saved her husband and preteen daughter last week from a pair of intruders who broke into the family's home and they found one of them she she hit one of the guys who was hit fatally he died later they found him in a ditch dead so i figure just a little chlorine in the gene pool let's clean this up a little bit save the taxpayers some money not having to put somebody in jail for you know for 50 years now these were armed intruders they came in a back door they had a pistol on him. they grabbed his her 11 year old daughter and he told them, I have nothing for you. And they're like, give me everything you got. And it became very violent very quickly. One of the burglars pistol him. another one kicked him in the head, creating a commotion that attracted the attention of his wife, who walked into the room to see what the noise was and found herself dodging a bullet. So they fired at her. Now, she ran out of there, grabbed her AR-15, AR which was legally inside their house, and returned to the room, shooting the intruders, hitting one of them. When he came toward the back door in her line of sight, she clipped him. King said of his wife, he made his way to the back door roughly 200 feet out in front of a ditch before the AR-15 did its thing. He was found dead in the ditch. Now, the two guys came with normal pistols, and it took an AR-15 against two armed intruders to stop him. I mean, who would want to go up against two armed intruders with pistols when you have a rifle? I had a, uh, a Navy Special Operations gentleman I was training with, and he said... You use your pistol to fight your way to your rifle. And that's exactly what this lady did. Now you may wonder, how serious was this threat? He had suffered, the the man on the ground suffered a fractured eye so- socket, a fractured sinus cavity, and a concussion and needed 20 stitches and three staples in his head. So there's a good chance his wife saved his life by pulling their AR-15 rifle out and taking on armed intruders. It just makes a perfect sense You want to outgun your opponents in every possible situation, especially when you're one of the good guys. You don't want the bad guys to have better equipment than you. And this goes for regular citizens, law enforcement, military. You always want the good guys to have the best weapons, the biggest availability, and make short work of anybody who intends to do them harm. So this is one thing. Don't consider the AR-15 just for target shooting or for hunting. It is a good self-defense weapon. In this case, it saved somebody's life. Now, I wonder if they're going to add that to the good column. Because they killed one guy, but they saved somebody else. So that would almost be a wash as far as, as far as kills go. But it'll still go into the statistics and I'll count it as one more person killed by a rifle when they try and take our AR-15s or take our AK-47s. That's right, Beto. I'm talking about you. Actually, Beto has now dropped out of the competition to be president of the United States. Now, I, this is a rumor, unconfirmed, but I heard he's working at Walmart, and he's telling everybody, I will take your grocery carts. Well, he, he didn't get any Air 15s or AKs, so ak 47 so maybe he is taking grocery carts. Okay, now here's on the other end of the spectrum. This is in Michigan, which... They're always kind of been fairly neutral in a lot of this stuff, but apparently they're going the other way now. Now, you don't want to blame a victim when something happens that is out of their control. You don't want to try and, you know, nobody wants to blame the victim. And, in fact, if it happens, you know, with somebody who was burglarized or robbed or raped, you don't want to blame the victim for that. Well, that's exactly what Michigan is doing. They're blaming the owner of a gun because he left it in his car. And now he is being—he's been arrested. He has been arrested for leaving a weapon in his car. Thieves got into the car, stole the gun, and now they're charging him for reckless securement of a weapon or something along those lines. And it's just—this is. Imagine if this kind of thing becomes standard practice. I mean, what if um, you steal somebody's laptop and use it to assist? In human trafficking. Is that going to make the owner of the laptop responsible for everything that that computer does? Or if someone steals your car and runs people down with it, do you then become responsible for something they stole from you illegally in the first place? This is going to get out of hand very quickly, and this is just a n- not the way things should be done. You don't blame a victim. He was a victim of a crime, and they're trying to blame him for having his gun unsecured. And I understand, everybody should secure their guns. That That's just a fact of life. But even if you can't, you know, you make an effort all the time. But thieves, people who are going to rob you, people are going to steal from you, they're going to make every effort to try and take stuff from you. You know, and it's hard because if a gun travels with you, and you then, of course, you come across a place where guns are not allowed inside, so you have to leave your weapon in your vehicle. So by these people not allowing you to take your weapon with you, are they providing an opportunity for thieves to get illegal weapons by stopping you from keeping it with you and being responsible for it? I don't know. That would be interesting to see. Can you sue a place if they do not provide you protection if they have restrictions on bringing your gun with you? That would be something I would like to see. Hold these places responsible for public safety if they do not allow you to be responsible for your own public safety. All these places that are gun-free zones, they should automatically be held responsible for any type of incident where you could have stopped it using your own weapon. You get robbed in the parking lot because you didn't have your gun with you. You sue the owner of the restaurant and say, I didn't, I wasn't allowed to have my weapon with me because you do not allow weapons on your premises. I left it in my vehicle. Therefore, you subjected me to being robbed, to being raped, to being bur- to being attacked. Why not? You know, they're saying they don't want guns in their location. They want to take away your constitutional right to enter their premises. Now, how can they do that? What if they took away people's rights, other rights? What if they said, oh, yeah, you can come in here, but you're not allowed to say things about this, that, or the other. You cannot have free speech while you're in our establishment. I wonder how many people would find that appropriate. How many people would find that okay? How many people would go, oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'll give up my rights to go to Starbucks or to shop at Sears. I don't know. Just think about that the next time you're trying to carry and you see a no guns allowed sign. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. And you're listening to America's Web Radio. you're listening to America's Web Radio on the America. Hello and welcome back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about a man in Michigan who actually was arrested for letting thieves steal his weapon out of his car. Well, he didn't actually let them. They broke into his car and stole his weapon and Michigan is trying to hold him responsible for it. Now, Along those lines, this is something that I came across that I thought was kind of interesting. There is currently a House bill in the U.S. House of Representatives that would provide a tax credit for purchasing a safe or a gun storage device of some sort. Now, most of us take that responsibly take that responsibility very seriously. We keep our guns secure. We keep them out of the hands of children. We keep them out of the hands of people who would do harm with them or do bad with them. And a safe is generally part of that. If you have even just a few weapons, it's good to secure them to where nobody who should not be having them or have access to them has it. So, But this is interesting because the House of Representatives is coming up with a tax credit for this. And you would think, oh, this is great. I get a little money back on my taxes. I get to buy a new safe. I can write off part of it. The wife would be okay with that. But it turns out the incentive that they're giving tax credit-wise is to the retailers. They're going to give the retailers the credit. So they're giving them incentive to sell more safes, which is fine. But... How is that going to help? I mean, they're in the business of selling safes. That's what they do. They do it because they make money doing it. So a tax credit, yeah, they may mention it once or twice more often, but without giving it to the actual person purchasing it, I don't think it's really going to do as much as they think it's going to do. It'd be great if they gave people this incentive, because that way you could look at it and go, hmm, I get something back. You know, I get something for being a safe person gun handler, gun storage person, I get to be safe for being a responsible gun owner. But no, they give it to the retailers. You don't have to worry about it getting passed. If they hadn't
3: passed anything else, why would they pass it?
0: (laughs) They're too busy worrying about what Donald Trump is doing to help our country, apparently. And, uh, yeah, I mean, gun buyers, they're not stupid. I mean... They're going to make their decisions based on their own things. And without a tax credit going directly to the buyer, it just seems silly that they would even try and pull this off because it's not probably going to help. But I still believe everybody should have their guns secured. So if you have, especially if you have children or somebody in the house who should not have access to weapons, be responsible. Keep them out of the hands of those who do not need to have them. There was a statistic showing that 75% of school shootings and 80% of youth suicides are linked to unsecured guns in the home. So keep that in mind, especially if you have kids or somebody who should not have a gun. Try and keep weapons out of their reach. It's, it's, it's a responsibility that all gun owners should take seriously. And like I've always said before, if you're a gun owner, you have to do it better, cleaner than anyone else. You have to be above the standard. You should be setting examples. So get out there, buy a safe if you don't have one, even though the retailer gets the tax credit. Maybe they'll pass on the savings to you. Who knows? It'd be great if they did. So then you might, you know, be more inclined. Now that we're coming upon a change of seasons, it seemed like it took long enough. Some parts of the country, they've already had this change of season. But I was asking a question the other day. I was actually wondering myself. I go, oh, well, now that it's wintertime out and I'm wearing a jacket, Am I going to change the gun I carry? Am I going to change the way I carry it? I can carry something a little bigger because I can hide it better. I'm wearing a heavier shirt. I'm wearing a heavier jacket. I can pack my Glock 19 instead of the 26 or instead of my Taurus Slim or instead of my Sig P365. I can just pack a little bigger weapon. I was wondering, how many of you guys do that? How many of you guys, or girls, dress in order to change different weapons, to carry different weapons? And there was another thing I was thinking. Now, how many people, think about this for a minute, how many people make their decision on what to carry based on what's going on in the world? If you see terrorist threats or a terrorist attack take place close to your home, do you step up your game? Do you carry extra magazines? Do you carry a bigger weapon? Do you maybe hide a rifle in your car somewhere just in case? I mean... Or when you don't perceive that threat, do you just carry your, you know, your Ruger LCP or LCR? Do you carry something smaller? Do you just not carry a spare magazine or a spare ammo? You know, I know, I know, I know. It's it's odd because, I mean, I'm sure everybody does this to some extent. They're always going to carry maybe something a little extra if they perceive a threat is going to be more imminent. I mean, but nobody knows when these things are going to occur. I mean, no one can tell when a terrorist threat is going to happen. So you just have to carry the weapon that you think is best every day, day in and day out. You know, and there may be some influence based on weather. You may have several weapons you rotate through, carry different things at different times, different seasons, depending on where you're going. Myself personally, if I find myself having to go to a mall or a very crowded area, I may carry something a little bit larger or carry an extra mag in my pocket just in case. But, you know, it should be the same all the time, I guess, because you never know when something's going to happen. But, you know, I'm just curious. Give you something to think about. Do you change your weapons with the seasons or with a perceived threat? If you think there's something that's going to happen, if you think things are really dangerous right now, if you're going to a city where An- the Antifa idiots are running rampant, <laughs> do you step up your game? Do you carry a bigger gun? I of course, sp- I start wearing
3: my wearing my... Cowboy boy hat, and so I, like Maverick, I put a Deeringer up in the lining of my cowboy hat. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't gamble as well as Maverick, but other than that, if somebody attacks my uh,
0: hat... I Hands up, yeah. take your hat off, okay, okay, I'm surrendering, and your gun is in your hat. That's yeah. pretty handy. <laughs> Absolutely. you got to dress for success when it comes to stopping people trying to rob and rape and murder do what you can to protect your family be your own first responder i can't say that enough
3: but i i got a uh fireman's hat that has a little red uh, light Ooh. on it and oh it goes, fancy and I, think, <laughs> so
0: I am my first you friend. are your own first runner for not just for guns for for fire as well that reminds me of something everybody has a fire extinguisher at your house you should have a gun also why Because the fire department can't get there in time, you have a fire extinguisher. Because the police department can't get there in time, carry your own gun. Speaking of that,
3: uh, I want to put a promo in for uh, David's pick that's on Thursday mornings. All right. And we have a fantastic, absolutely fantastic guest. You will want to listen in, and you won't want to change the channels or anything else his name is orson swindle he was an f-8 pilot in vietnam and we're going to do a show called the truth on the hanoi hilton he was there when fonda visited and he was and he knew uh john mccain well hanoi jane uh, huh hanoi jane (laughs) and what did she carry in her uh whatever and she's still out there getting arrested, and hopefully they'll throw away the keys one of these days. But anyway, uh, that's Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. David's pick, and it's the only show that I do and uh, because people can't stand me. But other than that, uh, it will be a great show. Arson Swindle, and by the way, too, they have announced the date, and I want to uh, mention this, March the 28th is going to be the opening of the Healing Wall, which is the 50% size of the Vietnam Veterans Wall in Washington, D.C. This wall has traveled all over the country, been touched in... You know, by the one that's the most touching to me is uh, the director Mike Mazell of the. This is going to be in John's uh, John's Creek, as a matter of fact. Oh,
0: so at, locally,
3: yeah, Newton uh, Newtown Park, and uh, if this won't bring you to your knees, nothing will. One of the stories that Mike tells when they were traveling with the wall and so forth was a little kid looking up at his mother and saying. Are looking up at Mike and saying, I met my dad today. Oh, wow. If that won't tough. cut you down to size. No and, doubt. And he was, uh, I, I say on the traveling wall, I think this was literally in D.C., and he was uh, tracing the his father's name that uh, had died in Vietnam.
0: Wow. Well, that'll be interesting to see. I look forward to that. That was March... March the 28th I 28th. believe is the date and they will it'll be there permanently where oh, so you can go see it anytime after March 28th yeah, right. Excellent. That'll be
3: the opening ceremonies will be uh, March the 28th. but after that uh, we invite guests from all over and uh, there's even going to be another little area I believe, don't hold me to this, but I believe there is that uh, salutes the Vietnam Vietnamese veterans. Oh, from yeah, we had we had help in Vietnam. We were fighting with the South Vietnamese, right? And there was and there is a large contingency of them here in Atlanta, and um, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. and they're going to uh, have a memorial to them as well. So, wow, it's finally Vietnam is being recognized
0: as a war,
3: duh, and. Uh, <laughs> The, the people that served there and the sacrifices that they made. So,
0: Right. As all veterans should always be honored for sacrifices they made. They do that so we can do what we do without having to look over our shoulder and be concerned about someone coming to take our freedoms away. So that's Which, some. which is our weapons, basically. That's right. 70 million armed Americans. The Founding Fathers knew what they were talking about, knew what they were doing, and they did it just right. But when you're shooting, you got to wonder, what kind of bullets do you want to use? Most people use lead bullets. you use lead covered with copper bullets. There's a bunch of different varieties. There's even been some lighter material that's been used. Well, now someone has come out with a 3D printed bullet. Now, these were just experimental prototypes. And I watched, there's a video on this online, if you can find it, 3D printed bullets. You can probably look it up. But it was interesting because they made them to fit a 12-gauge shotgun shell. And they were made out of plastic. And you may wonder, you know, that would be easy to shoot through a shotgun. However, with a shotgun not having a rifle barrel, it's just going to kind of throw the thing out there. (laughs) But they did. They, I watched the video, and they showed them. They were busting through one-inch pieces of board and stuff with these plastic-printed bullets. Now, the weird thing to me was it was kind of a honeycomb design inside. It wasn't solid. So it was extremely lightweight. And they even had, I think it was a... A number five number four shot stuck right in the nose of it to try and help it fly straight but it was actually at close range it was actually fairly devastating because you hear all the talk about 3d printed guns and everything why not 3d printed bullets or magazines for those restricted states you can print your own magazines i wonder if you're even allowed to have those though if you make it yourself like you are with a weapon But anyway, the technology may not be there just yet, but it looks like somebody's thinking into the future, thinking you get the right type of plastic, you can mold your own bullets if they don't melt in the barrel, and they'll take rifling marks, you'll be able to manufacture your own bullets. And imagine the... The diversity of design you can have i mean they had they showed a few different ones imagine little pointy things on the end of it or a big huge hollow point with a pointy thing in the middle or whatever you can dream up you can make with a 3d printer and if these bullets become commonplace then you can just manufacture bullets all day long at home why not I want
3: franchise for chicago <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm sure the gangsters are lining up to make their own bullets. Now, if you do make your own bullets, the people in Chicago might steal them. But but if you are shooting, a pistol is probably the number one choice for self-defense because it's portable. It's easy to carry. You can hide it well. However, perfectly honestly, a pistol is probably one of the hardest things to learn to shoot well. And you may wonder why. Why is a pistol so hard to shoot? You know, you guys who shoot really well are going, it's not that hard. Yeah, but I bet you're still better with a rifle than you are with a pistol. Because a pistol only has basically two points of contact, your two hands. Now, if you rest it on something, you get a third point of contact, but that's not usual in any kind of actual situation. But anyway, so one thing you want to do with your pistol is you want to train with it. You want to become better. And there are ways to do this. Some of the old school ways are you take an empty shell, set the base of it on the slide dry fire it. Dry fire and dry fire and try not to knock that shell off. Make sure you're holding a steady aim. Now, as you advance beyond that, you lay a penny across the front sight if it's flat and see if you can pull the trigger and not knock the penny off the front sight. But sometimes you just want to get a little more high tech. There's a company called Mantis X and they have come up with a dry fire or live fire analysis program. What this does is... It uses your pistol and you sit there and you, you use it on, it's an app on your phone or your tablet and you'll tell you dry firing is one of the best ways to master trigger control. And this shows you where you're hitting. It'll also give you corrective information. If you're shooting in a certain place, it'll say too much trigger finger, uh, left hand pushing, right hand pushing. It'll give you corrective measures to make your shooting better. And, and you get, you know, and this is how you get feedback in a realistic way. Now granted, the penny trick and the shell trick are all good. They work. But, you know, this would be something that, as I've stressed before, training is the main thing you want to do. You want to train, train, and train some more. You always want to make sure it's second nature. From the time you touch your weapon, draw it out, have to fire it, you want to make sure you can do everything quickly, efficiently, without having any hesitation and not making any mistakes. But, of course, the only way to not make mistakes is practice, 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 and no substitute for live fire. But sometimes you just can't get to the range. You want to sit in the office, take a 10-minute break, and shoot your weapon. This would allow you to do that. And there are several settings on this weapon. It says it's you can do dry, fi- dry fire, live fire, CO2 fire, rifle, pistol. You can put it anywhere you want and it'll help you train. Mantis X. So you can do a little research in that. There are several of these systems around, though. Lots of these people make electronic systems to help your training. And on the Mantis system, it actually saves the training history so you can see your improvements if you can improve. Let's hope you do, because if you practice enough, anybody should be able to get better with practice. And feedback is always intuitive. That's why I really like shooting steel targets, because you get that instant feedback, that ding or that pop as you hit the steel. But when you can't get out and shoot in the field, when it's raining, when it's snowing, and you just don't want to, you can train inside now. Now, just make sure, of course, with any real weapon, it's clear. Check it again. Make sure it's clear. Check it a third time. Make sure it's clear before you go dry firing around the house. But So there you go. Pay attention to that, and if you need some assistance in training, look up the Mantis X system. It looks like it's a pretty good system, pretty easy to use, works on your iPhone or tablet, and it'll make you a better shot, at least if you practice and do what it tells you to do. The feedback, to me, is the best part. All right, one more quick thing. This is Mossberg. Had originally... They're a company that's been around for a long time, and they had originally had just one distributor that sold internationally. And now they're deciding that, you know what, people around the world don't have to deal with just one distributor anymore. So they've ended their relationship with their single distributor and now going to start selling factory direct to international distributors on November 1st, which was a couple days ago. Now, to me, this says several things. One, Mossberg is looking toward the future because some of the future may be in other countries. I mean, um, as Americans, we have some of the greatest availability of weapons. We have the biggest variety of weapons available to civilians compared to almost anywhere in the world. Well, I guess there are those third world countries where they sell AK-47s on the street for fifty bucks. But the fact is, I would say we get to live in a more civilized society than that. But so it also tells me that international, may perhaps, internationally. Guns are becoming more of a possibility to be rights to people who need them to survive. There are countries where if ordinary people had guns, maybe they would be able to defend themselves better. Maybe they could fight back for themselves, and they wouldn't require a military or police force to fight for them. It's like maybe they will get a chance to be their own first responders. Now, Mossberg has been in in business for over a 100 years, and it's good to see them expanding out, getting bigger foreign markets as well. Because right now the U.S. market is it's it's pretty saturated, but it's still moving along. We set records every now and then for most, I guess they do it by the, uh, the checks, the background checks. We're still breaking records every month or so here or there. And now with the holiday season coming up, I'm looking forward to see how that's going to be. Because usually weapons take a big jump during the holiday season because what better gift than a new gun to give to somebody? I would think that would be a spectacular gift. anybody out there is listening and would like to get me a gift anything gun related would be fine (laughs) no just kidding don't need to send me gifts just get better be a better shot buy weapons for yourself and make sure you have plenty of ammo and vote for the people who support your right to keep and bear arms that's the most important gift i could get from anybody don't support people who don't support the second amendment That way we can all pass these down to our kids, to our family, and we'll be able to say, oh, yeah, we had guns back in the day and we still have them now. I would never want that right to be sacrificed. And I know a lot of people are going to come after them. In fact, the liberals are coming hard. Any excuse they can make to prevent guns from being in civilian hands, they're making. But the funny thing is, as much as they rail against having weapons, against building walls, against... You know, the global, uh, pushing for global warming restrictions and taxes. These are the people who surround themselves with armed guards. They surround themselves with higher walls. They surround themselves with private jets and big gas guzzling cars. So they're telling you, you shouldn't have a gun. Oh, but they can have one because they're better than you. Don't listen to the elitist liberals. They're just trying to push a bigger wedge between the classes. They want more people to be poor so they can be richer. And that's why the American Revolution started. We didn't want to pay the British taxes. Say, take your tea and go away. We'll drink coffee. Okay. Now this is something I had read a while back, but I had to bring it up again. Apparently, there was a popular gun blogger that was shut down by a Google-owned blogger. Now we know Google is a company that is not known for being fans of the second amendment they don't like anybody having guns they think oh it's terrible it's dangerous what about the children well you know what they would have killed a lot less children in germany and in russia and in china if the people had guns to defend themselves all these people think the government's the only one who should have guns should realize millions upon millions upon millions of people were slaughtered in the 20th century by their own governments If the people cannot defend themselves or fight back, they will never, they will never be able to be completely free. So, and Google is pushing for this. So if you are a Google user, I urge you, if you see an ad and you want to click on it, go outside the Google browser, go to another browser, open it, and then go to the site. Try not to cut down on Google's revenue. If you want to use the Google search engine, that's fine, but try to cut down on their revenue Let's vote with our wallets. That's the easiest way to do the same thing with YouTube, which I believe is owned by Google. YouTube is demonetizing all gun-related sites, all gun-related people on their site. So nobody who has a gun-related site can make money from the YouTube from the YouTube uh, advertising program. So if you see something you want there, don't click on it through the link. Try and go outside, open a new browser, and do it then. I know it's a hassle, but try and limit their exposure to making money. If we can cut down on the amount of money they make, they might actually listen. And now there are two other sites that I know of, GunStreamer.com and Full30.com. Both of these are gun-friendly, gun-oriented, and they will have videos hopefully most of you people on youtube if you put gun videos on youtube go to GunStreamer, go to full 30 set up an account open some videos there too we have to make this thing grow these people are pro second amendment they're pro gun they're going to help us out they're not going to shut us down take our money and not allow us to exercise our first amendment rights much less second amendment rights just remember the second amendment said to the first amendment i've got your back That's the only reason the First Amendment still exists is because we have guns. We can defend it. We can stand up for it. We can make it happen. Hmm. And you would think the people who deserve this right the most are people who fight all over the world to defend it for us. These are the people who you really want to stand up and, and be appreciated. Now, this was a story that I just... Oh, God, this just makes me ill. Now, there was probably more to it. I tried to find out as much as I could. But there's a gentleman in New Jersey facing a 36-month jail sentence right now. And you may wonder, what did he do? Who did he kill? Who did he rob from? Who did he hit? Well, it turns out he had a footlocker that he brought back from his time in the Marine Corps. He was a Marine Corps veteran. He served in Iraq. He brought back a footlocker. There were two empty magazines in his footlocker. Just empty magazines. There was no ammo anywhere in the house to fill these magazines. He didn't own a weapon that would hold these magazines. And because they had to do a search of his house, they found these magazines. He's now facing three years in prison because New Jersey's archaic gun magazine restriction laws are in place. Now, this is the kind of thing that can happen when... Politicians are allowed to run amok. How can you put a Marine Corps veteran in prison for having two empty magazines in a footlocker? He used these magazines in combat and they're trying to tell him because he has them in his possession, he can possibly serve three years in prison. Uh, I just, oh, this makes me fume. Politicians just doing, they take the people who provide them with their, who defend their very right to have power, who define what they are, who give them the right to be politicians, to be public servants, although they think they're elitist rulers, a lot of them. (sighs) But you may wonder, why did this guy get searched anyway? Apparently, his wife had filed a temporary restraining order on him. So they searched his house, found the magazines, and now he's facing three years in prison. Now, as it turns out, though, the restraining order was denied because they didn't find any grounds for it to be instated. There was a custody battle, I believe, pending and a few other things, but you know, the guy had some trouble anyway. But don't put somebody in prison for three years for an empty magazine, especially when it was possessed by a Marine Corps veteran. I'm going to have to follow this story up. I haven't looked at it in a, in a, in a week or so, but I want to see what's happening. I want to see if New Jersey has done the right thing. Will they stand behind a combat veteran, or will they get behind a politician and push for a sentence that should never be implemented? Again, somebody who never committed anything violent against anybody, has no violent record. Just, you know, a disgruntled ex-wife, perhaps, but, you know, everybody who's disgruntled, wife or husband, they're all going to say things they probably shouldn't say. So we'll have to see how this goes, but... It was just, it's crazy that he had this. They took also, he had 10 collect, collectible knives they took, and he also had a shotgun, which was legally owned by him in his attic. But because the metal, the metal magazines he had that were from, I guess they were from his service in our, in our Iraq. So these are probably military issue. <clears throat> but he had a couple empties in his, in his footlocker. He could serve three years in jail. Okay, don't do that. Don't put somebody in jail who's a Marine Corps veteran. I do not want to hear about that. But, all right, on to the next thing. An armed dad put six bullets into a man who broke into his 12-year-old daughter's room without pants on. (laughs) Yeah, I just love that headline. That was really good. Apparently, an armed dad chased off a neighbor who broke into his home and had undressed in his 12-year-old daughter's bedroom. (laughs) According to the girl's mom, this man broke into their house around seven AM on Sunday and began undressing himself in her twelve year old daughter's bedroom. So and she was really smart, you know, she she got under the covers, she 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 hid herself, she tried to wait to see if somebody would come help her or yell for her parents. She turned down the volume on the phone, she texted her dad, something was going on. He was in the house apparently, so came in, the guy ran out of the house, made his way into their kitchen wearing only his underwear when he ran into the girl's dad. He told him to get out, gave him an opportunity, get out of my house, which, you know, after you undress in front of a 12-year-old daughter, I don't know. You want to know what happens? We'll be right back after these messages. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, we're back. For those of you who were here before, we were we were in a man's house. He had just undressed in front of his 12-year-old daughter, and he chased him out of the room into the kitchen. So here they are in the kitchen. And apparently, he asked him to leave several times. Get out of my house. Leave. Get out. But instead, he decided to stay and start fighting. So what happens? He decided to try and get out of the kitchen. So he grabbed a broom, tried to chase him out, poking at him, sweeping him. I don't know what you do with a broom with a as a you know offensive weapon. But he tried to fight him off. He would not leave. Finally, his got a gun. Uh, his wife got his gun, handed it to him. He fired six shots at the guy, hitting him six times. Now, according to the police report, they found him and arrested him a short time later. He was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries before being taken to jail. Okay, so it just goes to show you, this guy got hit six times and he's still going to jail instead of going to, to his grave. Practice, practice, practice. I <laughs> can't stress this enough. Oh, my God. And, and, of course, you know, they found heroin on the floor where he was apparently undressing that fell out of his pants or with his pants. So now he's being charged with uh, burglary, assault, possession of controlled substance. And the six bullets are just going to be souvenirs, I guess, from here on out. All the neighbors have commended him for his actions and said so they think it was great that no other family had to be subjected to this and... Everyone's saying he did a great job defending his daughter, defending his family, being his own first responder. There is nothing more satisfying than protecting your family from harm, especially from a scumbag like this. Now, could you imagine if this this guy didn't have a gun? They could have got into a more serious scuffle. Somebody, he could have gotten hurt. He could have been killed. That wouldn't have been fair. He wasn't doing anything wrong. So keep in mind, when they talk about all these people people should not have guns the national debate rages on about whether people should be able to keep weapons whether they should be able to arm themselves without you being your own first responder you have to wait minutes for cops to arrive when seconds count it just doesn't work out what if this guy had to call the police and wait for 10 minutes or 15 minutes what if he ended up getting into a scuffle with this guy that ended up killing him It's just there's sometimes you just need something more powerful than a broom to get somebody out of your house. And apparently even it took six bullets before this guy even decided to leave the house. So be aware and practice six bullets. Uh, I know you guys who who know what I'm talking about go, oh, yeah, six bullets. Mm, He'd have been dead on the floor. There'd be no getting out of anywhere. But I guess, you know, the guy, you know, he's going to live to hopefully not do it again. Maybe he learned from his lesson. Maybe he earned six good lessons, one at a time. Don't mess with other people's daughters, especially when they're 12. Now, here's something. I came across this story, and it made me think. How many of you guys have stickers on your car? Something. You know, whether it's I break for rainbows or, you know, Second Amendment supporter or whatever it may be. Or I ride unicorns, not horses. Whatever sticker you may have on the back of your car, have you ever thought about how somebody seeing it might perceive you or perceive what you may be carrying with you? There's a Georgia sheriff who's claiming that thieves are targeting trucks with hunting, patriotic, and NRA stickers on them. I guess if you're looking to steal guns, you're going to go about finding a a a target that you believe is going to have the highest probability of having a gun or a weapon or at least something that you might want, whether it be ammo or hunting equipment inside of it. And so these thieves apparently were targeting trucks with NRA stickers. And apparently a truck is more favored by somebody who owns a gun, according to... uh, to this sheriff. He thinks, you know, if you've got a truck, you're more likely to be a target of somebody looking for guns anyway. If you have an NRA sticker or even certain patriotic stickers, it draws the attention of thieves. Now I've said this for years. Be careful what you put on your car cuz people people who are looking to do no good will take note of that. They may make assumptions based on what stickers you have. <clears throat> One NRA sticker could cost you a weapon. They break into your car, they steal your weapon. And if you're in Michigan, they might arrest you for that. So be aware. And this goes a lot of places. I mean, you want to put gun stickers on your computer. Do you want to put them on your toolbox? You know, if it's inside your house and you limit who comes into your house, if you're not in a public place, imagine you're working in a big garage with a lot of other mechanics. You have gun stickers all over your toolbox. The wrong person gets in there, starts looking through your drawers. They may think, hey, he may have a gun in here. And if you do have one in there... You just advertise that you have it. So be wary of this. This is something that everybody's going to have to do. I mean, just be careful with what you put on your car. I know everyone wants to express their opinion. They want to be proud of their Second Amendment rights. They want to be proud of our country. But again, it, it, it's it's terrible that it has to be this way. But in order to keep your guns safe, first of all, don't leave them in your vehicles. you know. And then, of course, it comes to if you're going to a gun-free zone what do you do with it you have no choice and thieves know this you know thieves are thieves because they don't obey the law they break the law they steal they rob they assault that's what they do they break the law and they want to steal your guns they're going to look for the easiest way to get them they're not going to go to the gun shop and fill out the application they're not going to they're not going to wait they're not going to get a background check because they probably wouldn't pass anyway They're going to steal them and either keep them and use them or resell them to somebody who will. So people have to make sure their guns are secure. I mean, if you drop it in the center console, where's the first place someone's going to look if they break into your car? In the center console, under the seat, in the glove box. At least try and get creative about it. I had a friend who actually had some seat upholstery that he Velcroed in place that he could pick up and it would hide the gun inside the lining of the seat. That was brilliant because... Unless they're tearing that that car down piece by piece, they're probably never going to find out where that was. But try and secure it somewhere other than where it's going to be easily obtained. And I would hate to say don't express your opinions, don't express your belief in the Second Amendment, because, I mean, that's part of America. That's free speech. We have the right to do that. And people should know that. I mean, it shouldn't just be liberals who are allowed to express their opinion. Yes, you should be able to have your your Second Amendment sticker on your car, but don't give the thieves anything to, to get. Don't give them an opportunity to steal your weapon. Make sure you secure it properly. Again, because you're a gun owner, you have to do it better, cleaner, and faster than everybody else. That's right. You have to set the example. You have to be the outstanding, upstanding, very correct citizen. You have to make sure you do it better than anybody else because you're going to be held accountable for anything that happens. So don't be a victim of this. The easiest way to stop these guys from breaking into cars is by not letting them find anything over and over and over again. We make sure there's no guns left in the cars. Then they keep breaking in. They're not going to find anything. They're going to stop doing it. It's not going to yield results. So pay attention to that. And I guess I would even hesitate putting things on my truck, especially if you're driving home or you live in an apartment complex and someone knows who you are. Are you drawing attention to yourself and not just your vehicle, but potentially your home? Do you want these thieves breaking into your house? So be careful. Be aware of what you put on your vehicles, stickers you have on your door. You know, the sticker that says, you know, uh, this house protected by shotgun three nights a week. You guess which three. Yeah, that's cute and it's funny. Your friends would get a kick out of it. But if someone's a thief, they're going to wait till you're gone. They're going to break into your house and they're going to look for the shotgun. They're going to try and steal your guns. So let's not give them any more weapons to use illegally. Let's try and shut these guys down right where they stand. So be smart about putting stickers on things. Be smart about leaving things in your car. Of course, this goes for anything, but guns in particular, because they are a particularly sensitive issue. Don't put guns in the hands of thieves. That would pretty much be a all-around good statement. Because, you know, thieves can't pass the background checks. They're not going to be able to go buy them through standard channels because they're thieves. They're crooks. They're lawbreakers. So be aware. Be careful. And now with red flag laws, you have to be even more careful. Because who's to say you don't have a sticker on your car? Someone's going to say, oh, my God, that guy has guns. Oh, my goodness, we shouldn't have that in this neighborhood. I don't think we should have guns here. I'm calling the police on him. I'm going to say that sticker offends me. The NRA—that's a terrorist organization. I'm going to call the police on him, you know. And it's—and that's sad that it's come to that. It really shouldn't be that you have to watch what you say, exercise your First Amendment rights, which are perfectly legal and perfectly allowed about a right that you have, because somebody may decide they don't like the fact that you have that right, and they may try and do things to illegally get your guns taken away. And we've seen with these red flag laws, they do not follow. They do not follow the law. No due process. They can take them away, and then you worry about getting them back later. Even if you're not convicted, you still have to defend yourself. You still have to, still have to fight for your rights. Even though they should be granted and you're supposed to be innocent till proven guilty, don't give these guys an opportunity. And be careful what you put on your car. Be careful who you talk to. Be careful who you mention things to at work. If you don't know them, be careful. Like I say, it all comes back to the red flag laws. These are going to be the biggest, most threatening thing we have to deal with in the next few years because more and more states are jumping on this bandwagon. Who's to say they're not going to go around and just look at anyone's car in a parking lot and say, oh, anyone who has an NRA or any kind of pro-gun sticker, we're going to go do an inspection. We're going to get a search warrant for their house. And if they have guns, we're going to take them away until they can prove that they can legally have them. Yep, they're going to assign you guilt before you even have a chance to defend yourself, and eventually people are going to stop even trying. They're going to say it's not worth the hassle, and they're going to give up. And I hope it never comes to that, because our country was founded on private weapon ownership. All right, that's all we have for today. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with more. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you are listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com.
3: Thank you for listening.